Disruptive CEO Nation is the place where young entrepreneurs and company founders tell it like it is when it comes to their journey, vision, technology, culture, and whatever they feel like. Your host, Allison K. Summers, believes how you choose to play the world is completely up to you, and her guests prove it. Now let's get disruptive. Hi, this is Allison K. Summers, and welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where I am thrilled to be talking with Natalie, who's going to introduce herself in just a moment. But I, I want to say why I'm so excited to speak with her is her passion around culture and her passion around team happiness. So Natalie, welcome to this episode. Thank you, Allison. Thank you for having me. I am uh, Natalie Nigel. As Allison said, I run, I'm one half of Wildbit. I run a software company with about 30 people uh, based in Philadelphia, but we're about a little over half remote. So our team is spread out across the country and some outside the country all over the world. And uh, we've been in business 17 years. So it's a little bit crazy to think that we're almost 18, I guess, almost legal um, <laughs> and having a really great time. So thank you for having me. And so, Natalie, I, I have to do the math on this because I, I know, just so our listeners know, that you're, that you're 32 and you're a co-founder of a company that's 17 years old. So tell me a little bit about that and how it started. Yeah. So I, like, I run the business with my husband, Chris. When he was 19, he uh, convinced his dad to drop out of college because his college professor told him that if he finished school and did everything he was supposed to, he would make something like $45,000 a year. And at that point, he had been coding on the side and doing some networking and he went home to his dad and said, listen, I'm making that right now part-time. I think your money is better spent on taking some kind of vocational courses around software development. And that's what, is, what he did. And so he started a little business uh, doing consulting work. And then we got together almost 15 years ago and took that consulting business together and transformed it into a product business, which is what we have today. With uh, We uh, build products for other software development teams. They're all subscription-based software as a service products. And that's kind of how we've been together ever since. So I went to college and ran the business with Chris the whole time. And then when I graduated, I left for nine months because I said, well, I got this degree in, in risk management and insurance, very sexy. <laughs> and I got this degree and we were like, well, you should go do something with it. And I said, okay. And so I went for nine months to do, to, to, to work this, you know, consult, you know, this giant consulting firm. And it was great because they paid me. And so we used that money to live off of it and then just reinvested all the money from the business back in the business. And in nine months, we fought more than we had ever fought in a relationship. And at some point we were like, all right, that's enough. Like if I'm going to give 60 hours to somebody, I might as well give them to myself. And so I lasted a total of, I think, just about nine months. And then I was like, I'm out of here. I'm sorry. Yeah, and well, the rest is history. For figuring that out early. Some people spend years. Um, yeah. you know, until they figure out that they've got it in them to build something new. So, so tell us a little bit more about the products, uh, just so sure. that the listeners know. Yeah. So we're a software development team. We build things for the web. And so we started building product when we kind of started the transition from consulting to products. It was always around scratching our own itch. So there would be these things that we needed to improve our ability to build great software. So our first product uh, that's over uh, almost 11 years old, it'll be 11 in October, is a product called Beanstalk. And it does uh, version control hosting, which is kind of your track changes for software development. Um, and that's, like I said, it's been around for 11 years. And then our, our, our second product is something called Postmark, which for software development teams, building email into their application uh, what's called transactional email. So things like your welcome email, your comment notification, your password reset email, 
those kinds of things are tricky to set up and manage and maintain. So we yeah. built a hosted solution for that. And then we have a third product on the way. I say, every time I say no more products, but I keep, we keep building them. Um, our, our third one on the way is uh, Conveyor. It's conveyor.com. And that is our redefining of what we think Beanstalk would be had it been built today. So, you know, you live with a 10-year-old product and you realize that the value proposition has changed. You know, what was once really important is now a commodity. And we had to look at it and say, do we want to keep competing on features and pricing or do we want to invigorate the team to build something new and exciting? And Chris and I chose the second path. So that's, that's kind of our ecosystem. And, and what I love, I, I mean, I just love this about your corporate story is you have this vision and mission that you shared with me called profitably growing the business, but for the people, for the people that work for you. Um, so tell us about that. Yeah, I, I think one of the challenges that you run into when you run a business for a long time is you stop asking yourself why you're doing it in the first place. And I have, I have this, I've been calling the business the beast because I look at the business as this insatiable beast that can never be fed, right? It, in its nature is it wants to grow and get bigger and bigger. And about four or five years ago, Chris and I were in kind of a rut and not feeling great about where things were going, feeling like things were spiraling out of control. And what we realized was we were allowing this beast, this business to control our decision-making and to, and, and to tell us where we needed to go because we hadn't stopped to figure out why. And so when Chris and I went through this whole exercise to say like, well, why are we doing this in the first place? Why are we running a business? Why do we get into this? Right. Mm -hmm. We realized that ev all roads led back to the team and all roads led back to, we want to build something that enables us, the people that build the business, so ourselves, obviously Chris and I and our family and, and our team and their families to live a really, really healthy, happy life. And so that changed the entire trajectory of what we kind of strive for and where we drive ourselves. We want to grow. We want to be profitable. All those things are really important to enable that life. Mm -hmm. But what we do is we make decisions based on, is this better for the team? not is this better for the beast and will the beast be happier because we're growing faster. So we've kind of compromised on growth and said so we can grow slower, but we're going to do make decisions that make us happier. So the best example, the most current example is we've been on a 32 hour work week for over a year that about um, 15 or 16 months now where everybody works 32 hours. We all have Fridays off. And that's, you know, every, when we, when we started that experiment, people were like, you're, how are you going to do this? How are you going to pull this off? It's going to be expensive. You're not going to grow fast enough. And I kept challenging people. What's fast enough. We're going to grow at a rate that's sustainable for our team. But that extra day has been transformative to how people interact with their families, how, how they're able to uh, work on their hobbies, work on their homes, just have extra peace of mind. And we found that the work has gotten much better and that the quality of work and the, uh, the quality of our releases have been much improved because people have an extra day off. So those are the kind of things that I get really excited about is, is finding ways that we can bulk the status quo a little bit and say, no, you can make changes, significant changes uh -huh. in your corporate structure, but still grow profitably and sustainably. So I, I just, I love the part where you started off saying you were, you're 60 hours a week, you're working for this, this big conglomerate. And then, um, you know, this realization, and I'm, I'm happy to hear that it works for you and for your, your business model. Um, can you share with us again, because you have a diverse group where, like you said, you have some people that are in the office, you have some that are working remote. Tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your staff. 
we had we started as a hundred percent remote company. It was always just Chris and I in Philly, and then people all over the world. So when we migrated to a what I call like this hybrid approach, we was because we brought some folks in from other countries into the U.S. on on H one B visas, and we needed a physical space. And mm-hmm. you know we had worked together for so long, it was just really exciting to be in the same in the same room together. So the dynamic kind of shifted. The hybrid, I would say, is really tricky because you have to treat your your physical location as a remote location for everybody so we do things everybody's got their own private office we're really big on focus work I don't think a 32-hour work week can work if you're not committed to giving your team the space to do good work so everybody gets private offices we don't believe in the open floor plan or anything like that so we did a big office redesign two years ago we, we got a new office I guess almost three years ago um, where we made sure we had tons of space so everybody got their own private office and we treat all communication and all interaction as more or less all of us are remote. So even if we do like video call and there's two people in the office and one person remote, everybody does it from their own desks just so that there's not an imbalance. There's not noise issues, all those kinds of things. So it's, it's been a, it's been a path of understanding where we're falling short and communication because the worst thing in the world is you make a decision with somebody who's physically in the office and you, you know, kind of, ignore or exclude folks that are remote and then that creates a a really Mm -hmm. challenging imbalance so i'm going to flip and ask a question that we didn't talk about in advance and that is how do you go about your customer acquisition how do people find you how do you market yeah um we that we were very lucky with beanstalk in that you know when you think of the software as a service market 11 years ago, there was nothing. So an app launched maybe a month. So things are very different back then. We didn't have things like product hunt where you're constantly like getting, you know, updated every day. So we definitely enjoyed tremendous word of mouth growth for Beanstalk where we did no marketing. Chris and I are not really, um, we never focused on growth or, or customer acquisition in that sense. We didn't have like go to market strategies. We focused on building a product and it was always build a great product, build a great product, solve real problems listen to your customers iterate. And so that's kind of how we started over the last several years. We've realized if you build it, they will come is not a, is not a, <laughs> a strategy. So, uh, you know, we've, that was a painful, very painful process for us to understand and really absorb. So we were absolutely very late to the game, but now we have a, a, a team a, a spectacular growth team that is uh, committed to Again, we're weird, but it's always like our way, right? Like I don't want to, I, I never want to be doing anything from a customer acquisition standpoint that makes me feel uneasy. So we have, uh, we, we do a lot of content. We write a lot of content, but it's always, you know, you'll never see like a 12 ways to better transactional email from us. We're not, that's not what we do, but we'll write meaningful things. It takes us longer. We'll write longer pieces. Um, we're learning things like SEO. We do some, we don't have a sales team. I don't really, I'm on the receiving end of all those horrible emails. Hi, where are you? I uh, haven't heard from you. Want to make sure you have a lot. And that makes me crazy. So we don't, you know, I just, again, leaving, leaving things on the table, but we just choose not to do that. But we have played with, well, how would, how would we do outbound sales? So we actually have somebody on the team who's not commission based. He's part of the customer success growth team. And he that we, we mail we hand select companies that we think would be a great fit and we handwrite notes to them and we mail them packages in the mail 
and that's what we do. It is not scalable. It is not, you know, spray and pray, but I will tell you that it leaves a really nice taste in everybody's mouth. And we, even the nose that we get are like, this is so cool. Thank you. Thank you for thinking of us. And so that's kind of how we do it. So I think having a great product really helps. Like Postmark is a beloved product with an incredible, you know, NPS score and, and all this, the customer success ratings. And so we definitely still very much, uh, a pre, uh, enjoy the word of mouth growth that it provides, but we are learning and getting better at targeting content and doing some outbound and things like that. Yeah. So you joked earlier and you said no more products, no more products, but um, part of what we talk about on disruptive CEO nation is technology and you're in a space that, that changes constantly. So if you had, um, you know, your crystal ball and, and we said, okay, Natalie, where, where do we think we're going to be in, two years or three years and we chat again and have a conversation. Um, what do you think you'd be saying? That's a great question. I think I would, I think Wildbit as an eco will be two products. It will be conveyor and, and postmark where we really hope that we build something valuable enough in conveyor that our Beanstalk customers kind of go into that space. I think software development will continue to get trickier and more complicated. And our hope is that we will be able to provide some relief from some of the, the the complexity. The saying is that it's getting harder than it was before, which is supposed to get easier. So I think it's not going to get easier. I think it's going to continue to get more tricky to build software. And so our hope is that we are going to continue to solve those problems. And at least for some segment of the market of software development teams who don't want to mess around and all kinds of things that really just want to get their work done and produce for their clients that we, they will use our products to make sure that they can do that with success and not have to mess around in whatever the next latest and greatest best practices that shows up, you know, on some blog post. So and I'm, then, I'm, yeah, I was just going to say, I have to, I have to flip and ask this question, which isn't where I was going to go. But, but as a, as a, a woman in technology in Philadelphia, where, where do you go? At, and considering that your co-founder is your husband, where do you go for, um, for mentoring and uh, kind of that mind meld outside of, the walls of your company we have a couple places uh so i do a couple things um me personally i belong to something called entrepreneurs organization eo which is mm -hmm. why you know um because i very much value the opinions of business owners who are not in the software industry because i think the software industry has a very skewed way of how the world works um supply and demand seem to not be part of you know, some kind of math. So I like to, I like to surround myself with other people who understand like, you know, that businesses can have plateaus and downs and ups and that's okay. And, you know, long sustainable businesses. So I've, I'm part of that group that has women in it. And so that's been really, really useful for me. Uh, we also have a very tight group of uh, other software develop software founders, uh, most of them much bigger than us. We go on at retreats, uh, you know, a way to kind of chat and talk. We have uh, other ways to, to, to connect together. I wouldn't say that I'm surrounded by female software founders. That's, I, there's plenty of them and I have, I have them as researchers, but in this kind of tight knit group, it's not a, it's not a male female thing. It's a, we've been, strangely enough, we've all been in this business about the same time, about 10 years. So we know, we, we kind of, come from the old school mindset, not the raise VC and kind of do the other stuff mindset. So we, we have this really great group and it's been extremely empowering for us to just throw something out there like, oh, this happened or what do you, you know, there was a big uh, uh, European Union security 
kind of update called GDPR. Yeah. And that was a huge, huge thing. Uh, and so, you know, having a resource of founders who are going through this, maybe they have in-house counsel and, you know, and, and you just kind of like meshing, you know, talking stuff through and, oh, did you guys have to do this? And so that's been really valuable for us. And just as friends, just being able to say like, man, this sucks right now, you know, and just having that, that conversation together has been really special. Well, Natalie, I, I appreciate you sharing all of this insight and wisdom. If people want to contact you um, or find out more about your company, how can they reach you? What should they do? Uh, so wildbit.com is a site. You can kind of see all of our products and what we do. And there's a great timeline of our, our, our lives. But I'm at Natalie Nagel on Twitter. Um, you know, DMs are open. So come and find me. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And for our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation, share it, like it, post it. Um, if you know of an engaging company founder that we should be speaking to, send me a note at connect at allisonksummers.com. And until then, keep your eye on the future. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.